everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. Uh, we are in Numbers, and I am here again with Chelsea and Chris. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Uh, we are going to be digging into like some specific kind of roles for different people, different clans. Um, but maybe what's more interesting, probably, is this kind of unique, kind of weird text at the end. Um, and what, what we'd love to do is actually just bring a little bit of clarity, a little bit of context, so that maybe it doesn't strike you quite as weird as it did me, as I just read over it right now. <laughs> you should have seen Ryan studying his Bible, cramming for his test like he was in sixth grade. I was definitely cramming, because <laughs> uh, I got here late, and now I'm reading over this passage that Chris says is a little strange, and turns out he's correct. <laughs> As usual. Yes. Well, just to catch you guys up here, in case you're wondering what passage are you talking about, because you might think there was an awful lot of strange ones that I heard today. Uh, We're talking about the one in Numbers chapter 5, starts in verse 11, uh, and it's this elaborate ritual ceremony kind of uh, thing that when a woman is accused of adultery, it's a way that uh, a thing, a ritual they can go through to find out if she's innocent or guilty. Uh, And it might... It seems very elaborate. I mean, some versions, the version we're reading talks about her abdomen swelling or different parts of her body being affected. Some versions go so far to say as the woman's uterus will actually fall out. Uh, if Huge she, bummer. She, that would be a bummer. <laughs> uh, bad day. Uh, if she's actually guilty, this would be some of the ramifications here. So what in the world is this all about? Uh, what do you think, Chelsea? You're, you're the I'm woman like, in the bunch. I'm, you're I'm, the only one with a uterus. I think she just said, huge bummer. I think that's her thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually very excited to talk about this particular passage because, we, as Chris and I have talked about before in Leviticus, you could read the Bible and say, how does God oppress women? Or you could read the Bible and think, okay, how is God looking out for women? And this is one instance of how God is really looking out for women. Because in the year 2021, um, this type of thing might seem oppressive and abusive and weird, but... Still bizarre. Still yep, bizarre. I mean, definitely bizarre, but... <laughs> but in Israelite culture back then, this was revolutionary. I mean, Chris used that word earlier, that um, this is a really big deal because in near, near Eastern cultures back then, they would have had trials by ordeal like this, where um, for the Israelites, the woman drinks this dusty water and something supernatural happens. But in other Near Eastern cultures, the guilty or accused woman would um, stick her hand in boiling water, and if it comes out red, she's guilty. Or she touches a burning iron, and if it comes out red, she's guilty. Where it's like this actual procedure doesn't harm the woman at all. There's no physical, except for your ear just flying out, <laughs> there's no physical ramifications where she would have like died or been seriously injured. Um, provided she's innocent. Provided she's innocent, mm-hmm. right. And if you, like, if you read it carefully, she's taking water that's in the tabernacle, holy water, um, using dust from the tabernacle floor, all these things that have been in the presence of God. And that's what she's ingesting. And if it's like, if it comes in contact with the sin that's inside of her, that's the, that's how you know she's guilty. Um, it's, it's so interesting. And so just, just to back up as a reminder that the penalty for a man or woman for adultery was death. Mm -hmm. And so in this culture previously, without this unique ritual, if a woman who doesn't have a lot of rights because she's considered property in this culture, if a man accuses her, her husband accuses her of adultery, it was a death sentence. It was over. There was no way around it. If you're accused of this, you're done. And so what this does, it actually 
puts it in God's hands rather than the hands of the accuser or the yeah. hands of the, the, the crowd. And if it's actually happened, well, justice will be served. Right. Uh, but it gives the ability that if this is a false accusation, the woman can be spared uh, and doesn't have to face this consequence. Right. And it's funny, when you read this, there's like this prayer that they do. There's this, like, they call it on a curse. Like, it's like the woman who is who knows she's innocent should have no fear going into this. She can trust God um, to make it known that she's innocent. There's just, there's no reliance on humans or man um, to declare her guilt or innocence. And if she's guilty, I mean, you would hope the fear of God would come that, like, maybe, well, I guess you're going to die either way. But <laughs> Do you want to die by your uterus falling out, or do you want to die <laughs> Shoot. Uh, in, in the other way? I don't know. Now, the one question that does come up, I don't know if you would want to jump in here a little bit, Ryan, is where's the guy in this whole situation? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm always I'm always intrigued by, like, okay, so we got to do all these things to this poor woman. Like, how, how in the world, like, why did the men get off scot-free? Right? And if you read through this— We're it, all it wondering. Feel, well, it, it can feel <laughs> half the population. Way. It can feel like when you read it, it's like, wait, what? I mean, even in natural circumstances, a woman could potentially get caught in adultery more if she became pregnant. There would be some physical signs, uh, and a guy could cover it up potentially more if he wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, So there still is a death penalty for a guy uh, if he is caught in this, but it was definitely more common in the culture for men to be doing this, sometimes even at the advice of their own wives, uh, that they would take multiple wives or uh, take another woman to try to have uh, more children. It didn't make it right just because they did it. God's intention was always that people would be faithful in marriage. But uh, this is moving the culture forward, particularly for women. Yeah. And I think it's just, uh, again, highlighting the really important thing that marital faithfulness and sexual purity, like that's a huge, super important, huge, important thing to God. And not just them, but now. Um, and and dust kind of comes into play. I was studying this, that like when... Eve is unfaithful to God's promise, um, and the servant is unfaithful. He crawls in his belly in the dust. Um, when the children of Israel are unfaithful and they build this golden calf, Moses melts it down into dust and they drink it. Um, and even like when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's asking God, like, if I like don't have to take this bitter cup, like let it pass over me, but he drinks the cup of God's wrath and it, he, he emerges from the tomb clean, like. That's so, it's so cool to me. I just like the faithfulness um, of marriage is so important to God, both um, physically and also spiritually as our, like we're the bride of Christ and our faithfulness matters. So I think one thing too, that uh, like if we just pull back from a little bit of the strangeness of this ritual, I mean, we see a God who wants justice. He, obviously there are consequences for sin and there are punish, there's punishment for sin. That's clear in the Old Testament. But God wants someone's reputation to be protected when they've been falsely accused. And I think uh, that that's especially when it's somebody that doesn't have a lot of rights. Um, more often you will see God standing up for those who society puts down or that don't have the rights of position in, in culture. He defends them. Uh, and I think it's a beautiful picture of God's justice. I think that's actually what I like the most about this. It's a weird, it's a weird passage to be like, my favorite part of this passage is. Uh, but I think this, in, in a lot of ways, this is a trial by God's sovereignty. So there, there's no peers involved here. There's no judge involved here. This is like the accused and God. Um, and because justice is so important to God, like we actually see this worked out supernaturally, which is very cool. Like God, God is so concerned about justice. He's going to actually personally get involved in it. 
um, which, which is, you know, th- this might strike you as a strange, well, it almost certainly strikes you as a strange passage. Uh, but hopefully we can see here, like, God wants to get involved in justice with his people. Um, and you could look at that and be like, yeah, he wants to punish these women. But, like, actually he wants to make sure that these women are vindicated as well. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you can read the Bible two different ways. Well, you can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really important to approach it with the right questions. And when you say, God, how are you protecting women both then and now? I think it's really clear. Yeah. And definitely remembering what would have been shocking in their culture. Mm-hmm. Not what's shocking in our culture, but what's shocking yeah. in theirs. Yeah. And this would have been revolutionary for women's rights. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for listening today, and we will come back tomorrow with more in numbers. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Numbers 4, beginning in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Record the names of the members of the clans and families of the Kohathite division of the tribe of Levi. List all the men between the ages of 30 and 50 who are eligible to serve in the tabernacle. The duties of the Kohathites of the tabernacle will relate to the most sacred objects. When the camp moves, Aaron and his sons must enter the tabernacle first to take down the inner curtain and cover the Ark of the Covenant with it. Then they must cover the inner curtain with fine goatskin leather and spread over that a single piece of blue cloth. Finally, they must put the carrying poles of the Ark in place. Next, they must spread a blue cloth over the table where the bread of the presence is displayed, and on the cloth they will place the bowls, ladles, jars, pitchers, and the special bread. They must spread a scarlet cloth over all of this, and finally a covering of fine goatskin leather on top of the scarlet cloth. Then they must insert the carrying poles into the table. Next, they must cover the lampstand with a blue cloth, along with its lamps, lamp snuffers, trays, and special jars of olive oil. Then they must cover the lampstand and its accessories with fine goatskin leather and place the bundle on a carrying frame. Next, they must spread a blue cloth over the gold incense altar and cover this cloth with fine goatskin leather. Then they must attach the carrying poles to the altar. They must take all the remaining furnishings of the sanctuary and wrap them in a blue cloth, cover them with a fine goatskin leather, and place them on the carrying frame. They must remove the ashes from the altar for sacrifices and cover the altar with a purple cloth. All the altar utensils, the fire pans, meat forks, shovels, basins, and all the containers must be placed on the cloth, and a covering of fine goatskin leather must be spread over them. Finally, they must put the carrying poles in place. The camp will be ready to move when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the sacred articles. The Kohathites will come and carry these things to the next destination, but they must not touch the sacred objects or they will die. So these are the things the tabernacle that the Kohathites must carry. Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, will be responsible for the oil of the lampstand, the fragrant incense, and the daily grain offering, and the anointing oil. In fact, Eleazar will be responsible for the entire tabernacle and everything in it, including the sanctuary and its furnishings. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Do not let the Kohathite clan be destroyed among, from among the Levites. This is what you must do so they will live and not die when they approach the most sacred objects. Aaron and his sons must always go in with them and assign a specific duty or load to each person. The Kohathites must then never enter the sanctuary to look at the sacred objects for even a moment, or they will die. And the Lord said to Moses, Record the names of the members of the clans and families of the Gershonite division of the tribe of Levi. List all the men between the ages of 30 and 50 who are eligible to serve in the tabernacle. These Gershonite clans will be responsible for the general service and carrying loads. They must carry the curtains of the tabernacle, the tabernacle itself with its coverings, the outer covering of fine goatskin leather, and the curtain for the tabernacle entrance. 
They are also to carry the curtains for the courtyard walls that surround the tabernacle and altar, the curtain across the courtyard entrance, the ropes, and all the equipment related to their use. The Gershonites are responsible for all these items. Aaron and his sons will direct the Gershonites regarding all their duties, whether it involves moving the equipment or doing other work. They must assign the Gershonites responsibility for the loads they are to carry. So these are the duties assigned to the Gershonite clans at the tabernacle. They will be directly responsible to the Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. Now record the names of the members of the clans and families of the Merorite division of the tribe of Levi. List all the men between the ages of 30 and 50 who are eligible to serve in the tabernacle. Their only duty at the tabernacle will be, tabernacle will be to carry loads. They will carry the frames of the tabernacle, the crossbars, the posts, and the bases, and also the posts for the courtyard walls with their bases, pegs, and ropes, and all the accessories and everything else related to their use. Assign the various loads to each man by name. So these are the duties of the Merorite clans of the tabernacle. They are directly responsible to Ithamar, son of Aaron the priest. So Moses, Aaron, and the other leaders of the community listed the members of the Kohathite division by their clans and families. The list included all the men between 30 and 50 years of age who were eligible for service in the tabernacle, and the total number came to 2,750. So this is the total of all those from the Kohathite clans who were able to serve in the tabernacle. Moses and Aaron listed them, just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. The Gershonite division was also listed by its clans and families. The list included all the men between 30 and 50 years of age who were eligible for the service in the tabernacle, and the total number came to 2,650. So this was the total of all those from the Gershonite clans who were eligible to serve at the tabernacle. Moses and Aaron listed them, just as the Lord had commanded. The Merorite division was also listed by its clans and families. The list included all the men between 30 and 50 years of age who were eligible for service in the tabernacle, and the total number came to 3,200. So this was the total of all those from the Merorite clans who were eligible for service. Moses and Aaron listed them just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. So Moses, Aaron, and the leaders of Israel listed all the Levites by their clans and families. All the men between 30 and 50 years of age who were eligible for service in the tabernacle and for its transfer- transportation numbered 8,580. When their names were recorded as the Lord had commanded through Moses, each man was assigned his task and told what to carry. And so the registration was completed just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord gave these instructions to Moses, Command the people of Israel to remove from the camp anyone who has a skin disease or a discharge or has become ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person. This command applies to men and women alike. Remove them so they will not defile the camp in which I live among them. So the Israelites did as the Lord commanded Moses and removed such people from the camp. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, men or women, betray the Lord by doing wrong to another person, they are guilty. They must confess their sin and make full restitution of what they have done, adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person who is wronged. But if the person who is wronged is dead and there are no near relatives to whom restitution can be made— the payment belongs to the Lord and must be given to the priest. Those who are guilty must also bring a ram as a sacrifice, and they will be purified and made right with the Lord. All the sacred offerings that the Israelites bring to a priest will belong to him. Each priest may keep all the sacred donations that he receives. And the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Suppose a man's wife goes astray, and she is unfaithful to her husband and has sex with another man, but neither her husband nor anyone else knows about it. She has defiled herself, even though there were no witnesses, and she was not caught in the act. 
If her husband becomes jealous and is suspicious of his wife and needs to know whether or not she has defiled herself, the husband must bring his wife to the priest. He must also bring an offering of two quarts of barley flour to be presented on her behalf. Do not mix it with olive oil or frankincense, for it is a jealousy offering, an offering to prove whether or not she is guilty. The priest will then present her to stand trial before the Lord. He must take some holy water in a clay jar and pour it into dust that he has taken from the tabernacle floor. When the priest has presented the woman before the Lord, he must unbind her hair and place in her hands the offering of proof, the jealousy offering to determine whether her husband's suspicions are justified. The priest will stand before her, holding the jar of bitter water that brings a curse to those who are guilty. The priest will then put the woman under oath, saying, If no other man has had head sex with you, and you have not gone astray and defiled yourself under your husband's authority, may you be immune from the effects of this bitter water that brings on the curse. But if you have gone astray by being unfaithful to your husband, have defiled yourself by having sex with another man. At this point, the priest must put her, the woman under oath by saying, May the people know that the Lord's curse is upon you when he makes you infertile, causing your womb to shrivel and your abdomen to swell. Now may this water that brings the curse enter your body and cause your abdomen to swell and your womb to shrivel. And the woman will be required to say, yes, let it be so. And the priest will write these curses on a piece of leather and wash them off into the bitter water. He will make the woman drink the bitter water that brings on the curse. When the water enters her body, it will cause bitter suffering if she is guilty. The priest will take the jealousy offering from the woman's hand, lift it up before the Lord and carry it to the altar. He will take a handful of the flour as a token portion and burn it on the altar. And he will require the woman to drink the water. If she has defiled herself by being unfaithful to her husband, the water that brings on the curse will cause bitter suffering. Her abdomen will swell and her womb will shrivel and her name will become a curse among her people. But if she has not defiled herself and is pure, then she will be unharmed and will still be able to have children. This is the ritual law for dealing with suspicion. If a woman goes astray and defiles herself while under her husband's authority, or if a man becomes jealous and is suspicious that his wife has been unfaithful, the husband must present his wife before the Lord, and the priest will apply this entire ritual law to her. The husband of the innocent of, will be innocent of any guilt in this matter, but his wife will be held accountable for her sin. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.